Wait a minute. Hear this. Growth Farm Production. This is the Scalable Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonetti. And each week, we will go on a journey, a journey that will inspire you, motivate you, and help you be the very best you can be. Our focus will be on mindset, tactics, and the strategies that will enable you to create more opportunities and win more deals. Welcome to another episode of the Scalable Growth Podcast. I'm pumped, honored, and excited that you've joined us for what will be another incredible episode. I just want to say, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for joining. We hope you find this content valuable. And as always, for my long-time listeners, thank you for showing up each and every week. I'm grateful for you. Um, I we produce this content because we're trying to help you be the very best you can be. Now, this week, we've got an incredible guest um, that is going to share some really actionable insight that you can take away to create and drive more pipeline. And it's a very, very important topic because for a lot of salespeople, salespeople are struggling to hit quota. There's a bit of a shift now um, where, you know, AEs are having to create their own pipeline where for a long time they were relying on other people to put opportunities into their pipeline. And this week we have Nate Stoltnow, who is joining us. He runs his own consultancy practice, and he's also in the seat as a full-time VP of sales, helping one of his clients create more pipeline. He has years of experience, strategic advisor for a number of um, companies, and he helps them grow their revenue line. So thank you for joining us this week, Nate. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Thanks for asking me. Awesome. And look, as I, as I said in the intro, um, there are a lot of salespeople that are struggling. I think the market has shifted a little bit and, or for some, it's shifted a lot and they're struggling to create opportunities and it's, it's having an impact on their entire pipeline. And so I'm really, really excited to dive into this topic. But before we jump into this topic, um, please share with us, how did you start in this wacky world of selling? Well, uh, yeah, I, I started in college working for the Sundance Film Festival here. I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. So the festival happens every year. And uh, I found myself working in uh, corporate relations and we needed a, a brand had quit or actually you know, didn't want to sponsor the festival anymore. And they needed somebody to go find a new brand to fill that that, that space and nobody wanted to do it. So I picked up the phone and started dialing. And that was my, uh, that was my entry point. First, it is funny, the first person I called, they answered and uh, they were interested. So I thought selling was easy at that point. <laughs> yeah. And when did you realize it was hard? <laughs> that was, <laughs> well, probably, probably the second call. That was probably when I realized <laughs> it was actually more difficult, right? So... <laughs> <laughs> so from there, uh, I ended up. I got. Uh, I got really um, just lucky and blessed because I, I was able to join a um, a SaaS company in 2007. It was just so early in the SaaS space, but uh, I was lucky enough to join a company there and I actually spent 10 years there as an account executive. And from there, kind of just worked up the line: account executive, uh, player coach. And from there, went to uh, manage a team, so VP of sales. And then I went off and I started a consultancy uh, agency yeah. and uh, and have also been VPSL a couple of times uh, along the way there. And then now I'm at a company called the Innovation Refunds. I'm a head of sales strategy and yeah. uh, running RevOps along with the STR and BER team. Yeah, so you've got a pretty big remit there and you're really helping them grow, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the big thing that we're focused on right now is I, I just want to amplify humans 
and give them more opportunities, more at bats, give them um, the ability really just to have more conversations. Cause I, I, I'm a huge believer in the, in the reality that we as salespeople, like the future of what we do is if you can plot out what AI or systems will do, we need to do the opposite. Mm. Right. So today we have sequencers and we have automation that do just a bang up job. But, um, as we look at the introduction of AI into email, into, you know, we're seeing this in LinkedIn and, and Twitter, we're seeing DMs that are clearly automated, right? Yeah. Uh, we want, we want to, I, I'm a big believer of like, we need to do what we can to move those conversations offline yeah, and actually engage in a way that allows in, individuals to overcome objections, ask questions and move deals forward. Cause otherwise it, it, your, your ability to be successful in the future is, 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 is close to nil because these systems are going to only get better. Yeah. So I'm really focused on helping humans have more conversations. That's, that's my, that's my, that's my like yeah. top, just like the number one thing that I'm focused on today. And I love that. Right. And I think I've, I've, I've got a very, very similar belief in that. I don't fear technology as a sales professional. And, and I, I say that's, that's my, I'm, I'm a sales professional and we've had a lot of technology that's yeah. come out in the last 10 years, but I don't fear it. Right. I see, I see it as an opportunity because the reality is it's just going to help me get better at what I'm doing, but ultimately if I'm not creating that value in the sales conversation with my clients, then the question is, why should I be having that conversation in the first place, right? And I've seen some really interesting stats around this that a lot of clients are not, or prospects are not seeing that value. They're not getting any insight or actionable learning from the interaction they're having with salespeople. And therefore, they don't yeah. see value in having that interaction, right? But I think that's a another conversation or another podcast we could jump on. But- just before we jump uh, jump into today's topic, because I think, again, a lot of our audience, they're always looking for ways to grow their pipeline. Um, you're in the sales seat for a number of years. Talk us through, um, you achieved some really good results. What were some of the fundamental things that you did that enabled you to achieve a certain result? Are you talking about as individual contributor? As an individual contributor. Yeah. What were the things that you did probably on a daily basis that allowed you to hit that, yeah. you know, hit the top, top billing, be, becoming that top billing performer? Uh, I went to a lot of trade shows. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big, that was a big thing. Uh, yeah. but, but, but let me play that out because that, that sounds like, uh, you know, maybe most people don't have the opportunity to do that, or maybe they never thought about that, but let me play that out a little bit. Uh, I, I sat down and thought, how do I get to where my buyer is? How do I get in front of them? Right. How do I, mm. how do I, um, give myself the most opportunities over a short period of time to have as many meaningful conversations as possible that are going to lead to pipeline yep. building. Right. And I, I narrowed in on trade shows as we were trying to figure out how do we go to market with a new SaaS product? You know, this is back in 2007, 2008, 2009. I knew nothing about sales, nothing. Right. I, I was reading books and watching YouTube videos. Mm. This was also prior to uh, the uh, predictable revenue where, you know, specialization, right? This mm -hmm. idea that we should have meeting setters, SDRs, BERs, that was still really in its infancy. And so I was full cycle. And so my, my big thing was, how do I get in front of buyers, people that can actually buy my product? Yeah. And uh, I, I narrowed in on trade shows. 
And what I would do is I would try to figure out, and again, I didn't have Zoom info. I didn't have any of these tools, right? Yeah. Uh, I would narrow in on the trade show that's coming up. What, what, what type of attendees are going to be there? What are the companies that are going to be there? And so I would do everything that I could for like two to three months before to build the tightest list possible yeah. of attendees. And then I would use email to book meetings and I would go to these trade shows and <laughs> this is going to sound funny, but I despise sitting like as salespeople, I despise sitting at the company's booth. Yeah. Like I think if you sit at your booth, you're not really a salesperson. That might sound harsh, but maybe you need to take a hard look in the mirror. If you're like that guy that sits there and holds out pens at a trade show, mm. maybe you're not a real salesperson. Right. And so, uh, I would go there. My whole goal was to never step foot in my own booth and have as many meetings as possible at other people's booths or at coffee shops around the area, like meeting people. And I would go to these, I would go to these trade shows and I'd have over a three or four day period, I'd have 20 to 30 meetings. And that's how I built my pipeline. But I used, I used email and I used phone ahead of time and list building to get that tight list. I had systems in place. And I worked it hard and I, my whole goal, my whole goal was to get these meetings, right? I wasn't trying to sell anything. I was just trying to get these meetings at these trade shows. And I think if you play that out, you could do that traveling to different cities, traveling in your own city, right? Your own town. You could play that out pretty, pretty easily. It doesn't have to just be, be trade shows. It's interesting that you share that because I think, um, this is why, again, I, I love the evolution that we're seeing in selling because you're right five, 10 years ago, we didn't have data enrichment tools where we could just at a click of a button, get our prospects mobile number and email or cell number and email, and then just direct dial them, right? right? You had to go to places to find and, and engage with them. And you're right, trade shows were a thing. I think I think they're coming back actually. I think post COVID, um, people want that human interaction. And I've been to a number of conferences and they've been awesome, right? So like the first time yeah. I went to a conference. Um, but I think one thing that is com- is consistent from the time, you know, 10 years ago, you talk about creating a tight list. Now, do you mind sharing with us why the list is such an important factor in building pipeline? Yeah. I mean, number one is, uh, you know, the old adage, uh, Zig Ziglar's old adage, uh, you know, if you don't have a target, you're going to miss it every time. Right. And so I think the, the, the list building is that target. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I, I want to start with my ideal customer and, you know, play this out for a trade show. One, I, I'll go and see like, okay, we're going to a trade show. Who's all attending? Well, typically it's not going to tell you the individuals, but it's going to tell you the companies. Yeah. Right. And so I'm going to build that list of companies first, the ones that I want to do business. And then from there, it's who's my ideal buyer within that. And so we're blessed at this point in this day and age where there's a database that you can get all that information. All right. And you just start compiling it in a way that you think, you know, these are the people that I want to talk with. And, uh, and then you, the, the questions are around, Hey, are you attending? Cause that's the next piece as you start dialing and yeah. you start sending emails. It's, it's more around that because you don't know. So it's like trying yeah. to figure that piece out is, is always difficult. Mm. I love this. So, and you can apply this today, right? Like it's not necessarily, if you're not going to a trade show, the first step in, 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 in building more pipeline is thinking about your list, right? And you, you just mentioned Absolutely. thinking about your ideal customer profile. Yeah. 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 I mean, today I don't, tr- I don't actually attend trade shows today. So, you know, today it's just mm. all about building out uh, a list that is in line with who I think is going to be the ideal buyer. Right. 
Yeah. And I, today I use, I help companies uh, really first and foremost with email. So I take care of that for the companies that I work with. And yeah, I mean, a, a, a huge piece of this is timing. Yeah. That's the other component that is just crucial. So if you think about like a fishing analogy, it's impossible to fish if you don't have a line in the water. Yeah. Like I'm reminding myself all the time. Well, if I'm targeting CMOs or VPs of marketing in the publication space, well, I'd like to have a motion where I'm actually in front of them. And so that's the next kind of iteration mm. is if I know that that's the ideal buyer, well, I want to be doing something at least to ensure that I have lines in the water because, and you probably have this, the stats and I may be wrong here, but you know, it's something like three to 7% of those like buyers are at some phase thinking about your solution. Could be mm. accounting software, or yeah. something ge generic, right? Where you fit that category. But um, that's where timing is just so important. And that's why I've liked to, why I've liked to use email and have systems in place to ensure that I have lines in the water at all times so that I'm hitting people at, at, you know, with, the, with the intention to hope that they're ready to buy. Okay, so this is good, right? So I'm just going to break this down. I want to make this very tactical for our audience. So in, in order to create more pipeline, the very first thing you need to do is define your ideal buyer. So get thinking about who is the customer that I want to be actually selling to. Then creating the list, getting a, getting a very, very tight list of people that you can start to reach out to and then putting lines in the water so that you can start to fish. Um, talk us through what those lines look like. Yeah. So what I'm using today, is that what you're saying? Yeah. So you talk about putting lines yeah. out there because, and I love that. I think it's a Chet Holmes. He talks about the buying pyramid, you know, 3%, mm. 40%, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a you're good right? one. I yeah, love I that. Um, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, walk us through, okay, so you're thinking about we've got to put lines out there what do some of those lines look like? Like, is it just email? Are you doing calls? Um, how is the email structured? Like, just share the, share the tactical elements that are connected to the lines that you're putting in the water. Okay, well, let's also break down the fact we don't have many, I think about them as lines or levers. Like, what levers can yep. I pull? Right? Uh, so I'm sitting... Um, I'm sitting at my desk, I come into work and I'm like, you know what, I got to build pipeline. Well, yep. that's intimidating if you, you don't know where to start. So what, what levers can I pull? Mm. There's really only five, but let's break some down that we don't use typically. One yep. is I can get in my car, but don't, don't, for some people, this is the right move. Yep. I can get in my car and I can drive to businesses. Yep. Right. I helped a, I had the buddy, he, he had a, these bakeries and they wanted to start with catering. Well, I said, hey, your best move is to just drive to these tech, you know, there's these office parks, just drive around and take samples. Mm. Wow. That was incredibly yep. successful, right? Because everybody wanted samples. And then, of course, you've got the buyer right there and you can just get on the calendar. So so for some people listening, hey, maybe don't forget you have a car, you can drive to these businesses. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's one way. Number two is you have mailers, FedEx mailers, right? If you mail somebody a mailer, it's like a mm. 100% open rate. You know, you get some sort of priority mail here in the U.S. It shows up on your desk. You're like, hey, I'm going to open that thing. Yeah. Right. hundred percent. We rarely use that as as B2B selling uh, professionals, but it's a lever you could pull. Yeah. Then we have the classics. We have phone, we have email, and we have a LinkedIn. Right. Yeah. Those are the three that most of us pull. Now, here's the thing. I always encourage any AE or SDR, learn something. Be awesome at one of those. If you can be awesome at all three, even better. But 
don't be just mediocre at all three because those are the three you got. Yeah. Right. And so honing in on some of that, some of those is like really important. Figuring out where do I want to be good? Do I want to be like just a killer on the phone? Do I want to be a killer yeah. over email? Or some people really become killers on on LinkedIn as well. But I think you've mentioned something really important because I, this doesn't get addressed enough. Everyone talks about the new age phone, you know, email, digital ads, etc. But you are right. Depending on what you sell, the type of channel that you use or levers that you're pulling are going to be different. And you know, I take it back to a, a company I did some training for quite a few years ago. They were selling into the um, childcare sector, and mm. in Australia, for example, the childcare centres most of them, they weren't proactive on email. They literally had to go and do that door knocking. They had to go from center to center to find the person that owned the center because they weren't, they didn't have a digital presence, right? And that yeah. was their main yeah. acquisition strategy. So I think what you're talking about is absolutely critical. And I, I do love the, the, the premise of priority mail, yeah? Um, sending something to someone because you are going to get some form of engagement and they're going to, at least you're going to create some awareness. You're, you're, yeah. We don't know if they um, open it, but so I mean, at the end of the day with the test that I've run, it's like everybody opens it. You just don't know if you're going to get a response or not. Right. Yeah. And again, I've had, I've had great success sending books. You know, right. I read a good book. I'm like, great. I'm going to send this to a VP or a chief sales yeah. officer. And I get a thank you note. Next thing you know, we've got a conversation started. Right. right? Um, so I love some of these strategies. Um, so now that you've defined, okay, you've gone through, you've thought about your levers, door knocking, you know, priority mail, you've come to the decision that, hey, the best place I've got to start is that phone, email, and LinkedIn, right? Let's go to the, the majority of where prospecting is happening today. Walk us through how you structure your message that can get engagement with your mm, target audience. Okay. So uh, number one for me would be email. I, I've, uh, and the reason, the reason that I, I always go back to email is it was, it was the thing that worked for me best back in the day, 2008, 2009. Yeah. I would say it was the glory days of email. You can get in anybody's inbox. Right. Yeah. I used to do mail merges. That's how there was no There was no sequencer. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I would do mail merges. I'd build my list to do a mail merge and I'd fire off, you know, four or 500 emails and I'd get meetings. Well, if you would ask me in 2007, 8, 9, 10, whatever, you know, anywhere in there, hey, will email be the future? Of course, I would have said absolutely not. There's no way that email will work. Well, what I'm finding is we still use email, right? Like it hasn't died. Mm. But the way you get in the inbox and the things you do certainly matter. And so I've developed and, you know, there's a lot of people you'll find on, on um, online that have talked about some different methodologies, but... I figured out that there's uh, a few ways that you can ensure at least the things that you can control as an AE or an SDR to, to get in the inbox from a cold outreach perspective. So cold being, this is the first email I've ever sent them and they've certainly never, they've never reached mm. out to me. Right. And so I love using cold email because it's like, um, you know, you mentioned before we got on, you mentioned working out. I'm sure you had your, yeah. earphones in your ear, your ear pod, your AirPods. You probably were listening to a podcast or a, maybe an audio book or something or music. Cold email is the same thing. You can set it up and you can run it while you're doing something else. And I think sometimes we as SDRs or AEs, we forget like some of these activities are actually not one to one, right? You can actually yeah. be doing other things while this system is running. And so that's why 
I always encourage people to like figure cold email out so that now you can fortify like that outreach and then be making the calls while these things are happening. Right. And so I always start with yeah. cold email. I think it's a great way to, to get the ball rolling. Okay. So you leverage cold email first and then you're, you're using other channels to engage with the prospect. So exactly. you're, you're, you're then building off the other channels. Exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yep. And, and how, so I'm loving this. So again, I, I just want to make sure that it's quite tactical for our audience and we're going through the structure. You've defined your ideal customer profile. You've built a very tight list. And then you're thinking about how do I put lines in the water, which is the levers. And if you're using, you know, if it's the traditional digital email phone, LinkedIn, you're starting with email first and then following up with a call, et cetera. I think, I think the other thing though, you can start call first, right? And you can reference, hey, no need, yeah. need to call me back. I'm going to send you an email right now. Uh, you, can, you can certainly do that first. I'm a big believer that uh, you should leave a voicemail though when you do that. I would also reference mm. that, that email, right? Hey, you know, a lot of cases, most people are not going to call you back. They're not going to listen to the whole email. So I would, I was, I would, I'd like to yeah. point people back to the email. So you hit them with a phone call, mm. leave that voicemail. That's a touch point, right? Cause it's important. They're going to hear your voice for the first time, but you, you want to push them back to your email. Hey, no need to call me back. I'm going to shoot you an email right now. Look for that. And you can even tell them the subject line. Yeah. Right. I, I've done that and I think yeah. that works really well. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that. And I, I actually also saw some data that shows like only 10 or 15% of the first calls are answered, right? So your voice message is critical to be able to create awareness of who you are and make sure they don't think you're a spam right. caller. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. voicemail yeah. every time. I'm a big believer in that. So, okay, so they don't answer, we leave a voice message and we're sending them an email. What's the actual content of the email? Like how do we get them to, and, and what are we trying to achieve from that email? <laughs> From your perspective. Okay. Yeah. So I have lots of, lots of thoughts on email. So <laughs> number one is AB testing is very important. However, if you can't hit the inbox, AB testing is irrelevant, right? Mm. So, so people want to sit around and talk about what subject line should we use or what should the body of the message be or what should the CTA be? Yeah. And I'm telling you, if you cannot hit the inbox, it doesn't matter because you're not going to A-B testing is irrelevant. So you want to ensure, number one, that you can hit the inbox. And there are a number of tools out there that you can um, start playing with that'll, that'll help you understand if you're hitting the inbox. Uh, so from there, you got to be able to do that, number one. Number two is I like, uh, I like simple, yeah. short subject lines. I think if yeah. you're using emojis or if you're using, you know, people's name, like, Hey, Nate, wanted to see if you could meet on Tuesday as a sub subject line. That is like, um, it's like a siren going off in the inbox. You see that right away. When you look at your <laughs> inbox, like either mobile yeah. or it's like, it's like instantaneously, that's a cold email. I, um, I'm seeing this come up more, but mm -hmm. I've been talking about this for, uh, probably a year, year and a half. I have always tried to write emails that blend in and look like internal emails. And so things like scale, yeah. like lowercase scale, uh, growth, um, uh, ERP system, uh, you know, like whatever it is, like real simple, because that's how we send emails internally, especially within big companies. We send emails like that. 
Mm. Whereas what I think you get in these cute little nice tactics where you start adding rocket emojis and thumbs ups, uh, those, they yeah. don't work. Those go right to spam because people see them and they know there's no reason to read them because those are cold. Those are, those are, those are cold emails. And, and I, I've got to concur with that, right? I've, I, I see a better, a better open rate, a better response rate, a better level of engagement when they are plain text, right? I was reviewing one last night and I was getting frustrated. One of my clients sent me something and you have very high image to text ratio, mm. real marketing based email. I'm like, you know, this is never going to hit their inbox first and foremost. And if they do open it, it doesn't look like it's a one-to-one message. Yeah. They don't want to feel like they're in a, in a, they're getting a one to a hundred message. So I love what you're talking about. Make it look like an internal email. So, okay. So we've structured the email. Like, yeah. So that from a, from a subject line. Yeah. So we've got the right email or as in, we've got a really good subject line. It looks internal. Um, how, how should we be addressing the email? I mean, should it lead with what you do? Should it lead with a trigger? Should it lead with how you help them? Give us some, some advice on how you structure those emails. Well, I don't usually waste any uh, effort or en- energy on niceties. I don't, I don't say anything like, um, yeah. hey, I hope you're doing well or happy Friday or I don't waste any space on that. I think there's enough data out there to, to show that we need to keep emails, especially cold emails, under 55 words, right? So it's got to be short. Ideally, you send it to yourself. It shows up on your, like a full, like just one page, you know, the, the, the one screen within your mobile. You don't want to have to actually scroll if possible. So that's also another thing to look at. But yeah, I, I would just, um, I think about micro case studies. I think that's another thing. So as you're building out your plan and you're thinking about what you're going to write, I would go and pull up case studies or uh, white papers that you have within your business, get actual data that is um, that's that's meaningful to your to your um, to your target, right? So if you're targeting CMOS and you're doing uh, what would be an example like SEO or something, right? Uh, I would I would send an email that said something like, yeah. "Hey, uh, wondering if you're trying to improve SEO for the, the remainder of 2023." Uh, we just helped Salesforce increase their organic traffic by 37 percent in the last two quarters, right? Uh, you know, would you be, would you be down to talk more? I would just keep it that simple. Yeah. It's, it's, it's. So it's about adding something that's really relevant for them. Really relevant and that they can digest like super fast because, uh, I've seen too many emails yeah. where it's, Hey, hope you're doing well. I'm Nate over here at, and it's, mm. you know, I would, I would wager that no one will read past, Hey, it's Nate over at. There's just no interest. Nobody wants to read yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've I've seen the same. But I I, I do you know just want to again c- capture what you're saying here because I think it's it's from a from an email structure perspective it's really important. Don't waste any space on niceties. Keep the email quite short, 55 words or under. Include a micro case study, some stats that's irrelevant to them. And how should you end it? What should the CTA be? Should it be want to book a time at Tuesday at two o'clock, or you're open to having? Yeah, a chat? yeah, good, good, good one. I, I don't like um, the. I would I would call it a soft CTA, right? And this has become more and more popular as well. Yeah, but I would definitely just use um, things like curious. You know, if I would, you know, one I, one I use a lot would be like, would it be helpful if I sent over some times to ta- chat more? You know, that's one. 
Uh, but I've used simple ones like interested question mark, chat more question mark. Those work as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another one would be, uh, if you want, if you want to, yeah, if you want to start a conversation, another one would be, um, can I send, you know, would be helpful if I sent over some more info or would it be helpful if I sent over a video that, yeah. that outlines what we do or whatever? Cause the, the other piece is we're, we are all busy. So I always want to think about the person receiving yeah. the email and I want to friction. I, 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 I like the idea of a frictionless response, meaning you, you literally could respond to an email like that and just say yes. And so ideally, yeah. if you only ask one question, that's a great email because the one question could be your CTA. And so that's the other thing. You should audit mm -hmm. your emails and look back and think, okay, hey, if I ask them, hey, I hope you're doing well. Uh, would you be open to a conversation on Tuesday at three? Do you struggle with um, low open rates? And yeah. have you been having a, you know, those are like three or four questions. And it's, if you think about how you would actually answer that email, it's impossible to answer that email because no one's going to come back yeah. and be like, Hey, Nate, yeah, actually my day is great. And I have been struggling with this and I would like to talk at Tuesday at three. Like nobody, nobody responds. They just, it's overwhelming. They just don't respond. So I want to create frictionless response opportunities where people might, if, if we're doing this right for companies, uh, the, the replies will be, Yes, sure, okay, great, awesome, into it, send me some info. Like that's that's it. That's what I want to see. Yeah, that's good. He's really good. So we've got some good structure here. So I just want to go back and recap some of these things. So um, if you are in a zone where you're having to be a full cycle, full cycle AE again and you're having to self-generate pipeline, some of the steps that you need to take to create more opportunities, it's get very clear about your ideal customer profile. Then build a really, really tight list with very specific details. Um, identify the channels that you think are best to engage with your audience. And if you are using email as part of the structure, um, making sure that your structure in your email reduces as much friction as possible so that they can you can get some form of response and leverage an omni-channel approach use phone, use voice, uh, mail, um, don't just use the one channel, leverage all channels that you possibly can to increase engagement. So I think, I think some of the tactical components that you've shared today, Nate, have been, been incredible. Um, I'm just conscious before we do wrap up today's session, uh, where is the best place for our listeners and our audience for, you know, ha where's the best place for them to engage and connect with you? Yeah, I think LinkedIn is probably the easiest and uh, the, yep. the best way to do that. Just search my name. I have an open profile, so you can just message me at any point. Yeah, awesome. And we'll make sure we put uh, your link to your, your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. But Nate, I just want to say, mate, I know that we um, we probably could talk about a number of different topics. <laughs> we didn't um, touch on LinkedIn but, at all, right? Like that's the other thing. And I would just say before we part, yeah. I just want to point out to people out there that are not leveraging LinkedIn. Listen, this is the greatest opt-in B2B database in the history of mankind. And if you don't figure out how to leverage LinkedIn, <laughs> like I would have killed, literally murdered for LinkedIn 15 years ago. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. like think about a salesperson 50 mm. years ago, what they would have done to have LinkedIn. Think about what they've done to have an email. <laughs> Right. I'm just saying like we live, <laughs> we live in the greatest time ever to be a salesperson ever. We have yeah. unlimited tools. So just choose some 
and become awesome at it. And if yeah. we can, then it just goes back to start conversations with humans. If you can start yeah. conversations with humans, you can build pipeline. If you can build pipeline, yeah, man, you're going to have a great career. So it just comes back to use the tools to start yeah. conversations. And LinkedIn is an incredible way to do that, right? Incredible. There's 800 million people on there that have yeah. opted in, right? Figure out yeah. how to leverage that and you will be, you'll be. And that's awesome advice. Yeah, you'll be so successful in your career. Yeah. But what I love about that advice is the mindset that you just showed and, and you just shared with our audience is that it's the greatest time to be selling. Absolutely. Because we have so many incredible tools to make it easier for us to find and engage our audience. So that is the mic drop moment. Nate, thank you for being an incredible guest on the Scalable Growth Podcast, and we hope to have you back soon. I appreciate you. Thank you very much.